Can we just lift your hands in His presence this morning? Come on, open up your heart, friends. Father, manifest your presence here this morning. Father, we have praised your holy name. Father, we have worshipped you. Now, Father, we pray that this morning that your presence would manifest in our midst today. Manifest your presence in our hearts. Manifest your presence, O oh Lord, in our midst today. Fire fall in this place today. scripture in Revelation chapter 1 John was writing this when he was in place of exile in Patmos verse 10 he said I was just close your eyes and allow your imagination to, to capture what's being said here he said I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first and the last. What you see, write it down. And then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, there was one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment, down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band in his hair, his head, and his hair were white like wool, white like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand the seven stars. And out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance like was the one, like shining in the sun, shining in all its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said to me, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I hold the keys of death and hell. That is the Jesus that we serve. Come on, let's worship him this morning. Turn your heart towards him today. He is alive. 
those words he said, do not be afraid. For I am he that lives. Do not let your heart be afraid. Whatever you're facing today, as you become aware of his presence, as you turn your heart, you'll hear his voice. I'm with you. Whatever fire you're facing, you're not too worried about it. His countenance is like the sun shining in its full strength. That's our Jesus. Jesus, you are so worthy of our praise and our honor today. If you're watching online, just wherever you are, be aware of his presence this morning. That is our Jesus. He is the beginning and the end. Thank you, Lord, that it's your desire to speak to people here this morning. Come and touch every heart here, Lord. Holy Spirit, move in our midst. During this week, I've had some particular names in my heart, ringing in my heart. You may be here or watching online or watching later on. It doesn't really matter. There's a, there's a man by the name of Jason. I don't know if you're here. Is there a Jason here this morning? Jason, somebody know Jason? I had the word Jason in my heart this morning. And the Lord says, you've got a kind heart. It's often been misunderstood. The Lord's calling you to pastor his people. God's got a plaster's heart around your life. You may not think it. You may not even feel it. God's got a call upon your life, sir. There's another man here today. And as I was, as I was praying, I felt there's been a part of your life that you've been struggling with. You've been struggling to experience the presence of God. You've been struggling to pray in tongues. You've been, it's like there's been a, a lid on side of your life. One of the things I felt the Lord speak to me was this, was that there's been unfavorable comparisons in your life with another brother. There's been unfavorable comparisons with you and another brother. It came from your mum. Lord's going to start to bring healing inside of your life. God wants to start to bring healing and bring healing in the part where there's been a conflict with you and your mother and you and your brother. It's like you'd be walking in a, uh, it's just been like a block of your life and there's been an unfavorable comparison to you. If that's you here this morning, Lord wants to encourage you to tell you this morning that he knows your struggle. Don't harden your heart towards the things of God. Don't harden your heart towards. May the Lord touch you and heal you today in Jesus' name. And then Maria Kakawa, if you're here this morning or watching online, are you here at all? Maria, there you are. Had you in my heart. Lord wants to encourage you. He wants to encourage you that He's never left you and the gift that He's and cultivating inside of your life is about to come forth again. Lord shows me that there's uh, both a prophetic nature around your life and you'll sing and you'll write songs again. You'll be a voice. Your voice will be like the voice of the sound of a trumpet. It'll bring hope to people. It'll bring life to people. 
like Paul said to Timothy, stir up that gift of God within you again. But there's another gift that has been emerging inside of your life as well. And there's been an apostolic gift, an ability to be able to set things in order, to be able to build things, to be able to put things into place and to structure things out. The Lord's going to use that gift and shape that gift and bring it up to a, a, a new level and start to flow through that gift. God is going to start to use you in ministry. God is going to start to use you to put things into place like an apostle. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord use you as a mouthpiece in your family, your extended family, amongst the Cook Island community and in the wider church in Jesus' name. Touch your Holy Spirit. Touch, touch, touch. And all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. All right. Hey, why don't you give the Lord a shout of praise this morning? amazing presence of the Lord is in this place. I'll share a little bit more about it later. We want to take our offering this morning. Hello? Uh-huh. Take our offering this morning and uh, let's just bring it up. Just the verse that the Lord, I felt the Lord spoke. Interesting. Are you ready to give this morning? Hold on, just, be- just before you give. Before you give. It's amazing where you've just find a seat. Just find a seat wherever you are. Come on. We're going to prepare our hearts together. It's amazing where Jesus positions himself in the house of God. And it's when I was just reading this, 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 this scripture, when it comes to offering, in Mark chapter 12 and verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the, how the people sowed their money or sowed their finances into the treasury. He didn't observe what they put in. Come on, that's so good. Yeah. He observed how they gave. Yeah. Because there were some people that would have big bags of money and jingle it around and try and show off. On the outward, it was a religious sign. But there were other people that came with a contrite heart, a heart that said, I am so grateful. He watched how people sowed. I believe as he watched there, as we come to this time of tithes and offerings, He watches us during the week. He watches us in our place of worship. But just as he watched as people gave, I believe he still watches in this midst right now how we give. Let us this morning, with awareness that the Lord is observing. (laughs) Look at that one over there. But this, this widow here, she gave... Man, she's struggling. I can see she's struggling. But look at what she's given. She has come with the spirit of faith. She came believing that God somehow would break through into her life. She came with a heart of gratitude. And out of all the people that came and gave that day, he noticed that one. Maybe you're here today and you're well off. It's awesome. I'm so happy for you. May you continue to prosper. Let not that affect negatively how you give. You may be here today and you may be struggling to pay the bills. I get that. God's not going to be upset with you or anything like that if you're struggling financially. He wants you to prosper. But if you've come here today and you know in your heart that you're struggling, but yet... You're still making a decision that you're going to trust the Lord with your finances. Then today I honor you. I'm not going to embarrass you, but you know who you are. I honor you and I pray that God would richly bless you and touch your heart today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness to us, Lord. Thank you for the great opportunities that you place and give to us every day. 
Thank you for the opportunity that we have to live in this wonderful land. Thank you for the opportunities that surround us every day, Lord. Lord, I pray for every heart, every household here today. Pray, Lord, that as we give, as we tithe, Lord, that you would bless us. Lord, we, we give as a, as a sign of our love, as a demonstration of our love and our trust in you, Lord. And I pray that today, Lord, that you would answer every prayer. Where there's ones here today that are struggling and believing for finance. Lord, even as you bought the fish with the, the gold coin in its mouth. Lord, I pray that you would show up in people's lives in the most amazing and mysterious ways to bring provision in Jesus' name. I bless your people today in the name of Jesus. Let's give this morning. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing hallelujah. We sing God's people said, come on, why don't you turn to somebody and give them a big old hug this morning. Wonder if we just find your seat. Thank you, worship team, for your ministry this morning. Welcome, Arby, to the worship team. This is Arby. He looks after our church finance, do a great job, and he's he's going to do an item for us one day, I reckon. Beautiful. How are you all doing this morning? I want to extend a warm welcome to every person here, Watch the, watching those online as well. I want to extend a warm welcome to you, and I'm so glad that you could be here. And uh, this morning, uh, I, I, I'm really convinced that this is a powerful time this morning. Um, I'll explain why. I, I, I do want to honour, there's, there's people that phoned me during the beginning of the week. No, they, they didn't phone me, they text me, sorry. And they just messaged me to tell me that they're praying for me and holding me in their heart. I was kind of feeling, no, oh, that's nice, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but it wasn't until later in the week I discovered why. And I got this message I prepared, I felt the Lord had been speaking to me about, I was praying during the week about uh, what I believe God is doing in our lives and in our church and, and in our midst. I was praying about the legacy and, and what God has for us and, and preparing this message. And uh, one of the things we... You know, I just want to bring to your attention is that we, we wage war, not against flesh and blood, but we wage war against principalities and powers. And there are real spirit beings that come around people that try and stop and hinder the, the, the advancement of the kingdom of God. And um, one of the things I found is as I was started to pray into our future, praying into your future, praying into what God is doing in our midst, um, by golly, I, I mean, I'm a fairly pretty resilient type of a person. Oh, I can bounce back pretty quick. But, but as I started to pre prepare this, I had massive spiritual attack just coming. Um, uh, I'm not going to, I don't need your sympathy in it or anything like that. I'm not saying for, for that what I'm saying, why I'm saying that is because I believe that God has wanted to do something powerful and that God wanted to, uh, to try and disrupt that. And the way that he disrupts that is to, is to knock the head. If he can scatter the, the shepherd, he can scatter the sheep. And uh, I want to encourage you to, to hold me in, in your prayers because uh, God has anointed me to lead you forward into the things of God. Your destiny, your, your destiny and our destiny are connected to what God wants to speak through myself and through other ministries that God has in this church. 
So I do want to thank you. I mean, I, I came under a massive spiritual attack. Kate, would, Kate could verify that. It's not something that I usually experience. But for me, I put it down to this. Actually, God, you wanted to do something. You wanted to say something. You wanted to move us. You wanted to shift us. And I'm not going to let no devil hold me down. I don't know about you. So I open up the scripture for you this morning. And I want to encourage you to open up your hearts to, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Um, there's, a, there's a whole pile in the scripture, but uh, we're just going to see how far we get. Uh, we're going to look at the, the, the story of Numbers chapter 10. Uh, this, the story or this, this piece of scripture here, it's, it's remarkable in a number of ways. It's remarkable in that it's a prophetic picture of what God is doing, or it's remarkable in its, uh, in its ability to get three million people who have lived in slavery to get them to move from here forward towards the promised land. And I don't, I, I'm convinced that God is working in our lives. God is continually working in all of our midst, in our hearts, to bring us forward into the fullness of what he has for us to become. Like I preached the other Sunday, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, neither has it been conceived in the heart of man what God has prepared in advance for us. There are great things for you. There are great things for us. And so one of the things we... we when I started to look about, I started to read the scripture. I thought, "Wow!" I mean, I've studied change management before, and I looked at it and thought, "What a remarkable way that the Lord has implemented a change management plan to get three million people from here and to shift them along a little bit, and to shift them along a little bit more, progressively shift them towards the fullness of what He's promised for their lives." And so, if you're into change management, uh, here's a good example of it. One of the things I also saw, uh, and it's the nature of group dynamics. Uh, uh, individual and group relationships. Uh, but I, I also see it's a way for us to continue to walk, learn how to walk in victory. And it's the plan of God that all of us walk in victory. Uh, so there's so much, anyway, we're going to get back, we're going to move into it. First of all, I want to just give you a little bit of a context of, of, of where this piece of scripture is coming from. So previously in, in Numbers chapter 9, you see that the Lord uh, had had poured out his glory, the, the tabernacle had been established, and the Lord poured out his glory over the tabernacle. And the Bible says that, um, that over the tabernacle or over the house of God during the day, there was a, a cloud, there was a glory cloud that, that, that stayed, that remained over the house by day. And at night, there was a, somehow it shifted into a cloud of fire, and that cloud of fire by, uh, it remained, over the people of, um, remained over the tabernacle. Then the Bible says that whenever it shifted, that the people would shift along with it as well. So it says, I'm not going to, you can read it for yourself, but the, but the scripture says this, that sometimes the cloud would stay for a day. In other words, it would, it would stay there for, uh, for, from morning until evening, and then it moved. Sometimes it would stay for a week. Sometimes it would stay for a month. Sometimes it would stay for a year. So if you are a highly organized individual and you like the idea of having everything planned and scheduled out, <laughs> you've got challenges. It's just the same way if Jesus called you and said, just follow me. Many of you I know would want a, 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 some sort of a, a plan or a timeline schedule to... Uh, a set of outcomes and uh, health and safety plan and all that sort of. Yeah, Jesus, just follow me. If I told you all that, you wouldn't want to come. So there are some things of God, in God that you just have to trust and you just have to follow. And for us as a church, uh, I value the idea of planning things, but I more value the idea of following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Whether it says just stay here for one night and then just move. Or whether he says, stay for a month and then move. Or whether he says, just hang around here for the year and we'll just, when it's time to move, you move. So the problem is we like to control everything. We like to have everything predictable. But how boring is that? So the context of this, and he goes into Numbers chapter 10. So let's bring it up on the screen here. And it says, and the Lord spoke further to Moses saying, 
make two trumpets of silver. Somebody say two trumpets, make them of silver. Make two trumpets of silver and you shall make them of hammered work. Somebody say hammered work. And you shall use them to summon the congregation. Somebody say summon the congregation. And you shall use them to have the camps move out. I mean, there's so much in this piece of scripture, just, just in these two, just in this one line alone. You shall make two trumpets, and you shall make them out of hammered silver. When I started to look at that, so when you, when you read a piece of scripture like this, one, I don't know if you remember Shane, Shane Willard's teaching, but you can look at it, how do you get truth out of it? One, you can look at the facts. But the reality is, you and I are not living in a desert. We're not wandering in tents. We're, uh, we're not responding to the sound of a physical trumpet right now. However, so for us, this is in, in many ways a prophetic picture. In other words, it is a metaphor. There is meaning in this. So somehow we have to get what is written in the Scripture, find out the meaning of that, and find out how do I apply it to my life today. Does that make sense? So this is what we're going to do. So it says, have a look, make... Two silver trumpets and make them out of hammered silver. There's nothing in the Bible that is just there, I believe, by accident. One of the things, when you look at the word trumpet, this is the first time in Scripture that the word trumpet is used. From then on, you find that the word trumpet is used in many applications, and you see it in Revelation, uh, again, uh, chapter, chapter 1, that his voice was a sound like a trumpet. So you see the word trumpet. This is the first time that the word trumpet is used in the, in the, uh, in, in the Scripture. It's his first application of, of the word trumpet. So whenever you see the word trumpet, it's, in our context today, we're going to look at it as what does that mean? What is that symbolic of? When it says a trumpet, what does it mean? How does it, how does it apply to my life? The word trumpet literally means to this. It means to blow which means to surround with a stockade and separate out from the country. So it's interesting. It's, it's, got, a, it's got a number of different words, but it means to, to blow. It means to blast. It means, and, and those, both of those two words come from the word that means to separate out or to, 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 to put a barricade around, to, to protect, to, to separate. I don't know about you, whenever you hear the sound of a trumpet, it separates, it seems to have that feeling of separation through the atmosphere. That is why it's, that is where the meaning comes from. It means to separate out. So whenever you hear the word trumpet, it means to blast or to, or to surround with a stockade. It also means to clap. Clap. So whenever you clap your hands, when we come into the presence of God, when we come and worship, when we come and clap our hands, it's not just for the sake of clapping your hands. There's a spiritual connotation behind that. There's a spiritual meaning between, behind clapping your hands. The Bible says, clap your hands, O you people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. So there's something a, a spiritual about clapping your hands. So we either clap our hands and worship and praise like a... I mean, some people clap their hands. It's like, it's like come on, you're better, off, you're better off not clapping your hands. Or you can come and you bang those hands together. You give yourself a big old high five. <laughs> What's what it means to blast the trumpet? When you clap your hands, it is as good and as in the spirit. It is like. The blast of the trumpet in the spiritual atmosphere. Hello? It says to make them of silver. There's something significant about silver. I mean, I'm not going to unpack all this for you, but it's just to give you an idea. Silver, the, it, says, it specifically says make two silver trumpets. So when you see the word silver, the word silver is often used in the context of one, paying a ransom. It's also used or symbolic of redemption. And it is also used in reference to the purifying 
or the healing or the restoration of our heart. In Psalm chapter 66, verse, uh, in verse 10, the psalmist says, uh, he, he talks about that our hearts are being purified like silver. So whenever you see the word silver, it refers to the act of redemption, the paying of a price, but it also refers to the work that God is doing in our hearts, the grace of God. Interesting, it says, in other words, he said, make it of hammered work. Interesting, I, used, I looked up the word, the definition of what it means to be of hammered work. And the only other reference to hammered work is in the shaping of the two cherubim at the seat of the, that covered the mercy seat of the ark. And it was also used to shape the menorah, which represents the Spirit of God. That's the only other reference in Scripture that the word hammered or shaped by hammer or beaten into a place and shaped or forged as in forged out of metal. They're the only two places that it's, that it's referenced. So to me, I'm thinking there's something that God has wanted to say to me in this, in this piece of Scripture. I'm not going to, you can do some research behind that. But one of the things you find is this, is that there is something uniquely powerful about a person who has allowed God to touch their heart, to bring healing into the innermost parts. That's why we're doing our healing course. Because in that, that is the work of silver in our life. Because there is something special that God wants to do through us as a result of the purification of our hearts. I don't know about you, but sometimes the work of healing and not very nice. <laughs> when God is wanting to shape like a hammer, he wants to beat that trumpet and shape it using a hammer. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time I found that the Holy Spirit, when he's working in my heart, there's a beating and there is a shaping. Growth is never easy. Growth is painful. If you're finding things easy, you're not growing. If you're being agitated in your thinking, if you're being agitated in your spirit, if you are being challenged in some way, friends, do not run away. That is, I believe, in many ways, it's the work of the Holy Spirit working in you and shaping your life. If you're here and you've got a boss who is speaking into your heart about your character, you need to turn up on time. You need to stop hanging out with that person. You need to change the way that you show up. Do not go putting your mouth on the ground and taking offense because I can guarantee it's most likely the work of the Holy Spirit trying to purify and shape your heart to shape that silver inside of your life. Hello? So the way you respond to being shaped makes all the difference. The shaping of my life, please, God, just use a, one of those rubber hammers so it just kind of not. <laughs> all of this speaks to the shaping of our lives and our hearts that the breath of God would flow through us and resound through our lives. See, a trumpet, the only way to make a trumpet work, it ain't going to blast by itself. It blasts when somebody puts breath through it. I don't know about you, but I want my life and I want your life and I want for us as a church to stand and be saying, hey, our lives have been purified. We've allowed the Holy Spirit, we've allowed people, we've allowed my boss, I've allowed the people that the Lord has sent to speak and to shape my life. I've given myself to the courses when God has raised up a prophet in the house to bring healing into people's hearts. I was there and I allowed God to work. When you commit yourself to that, the process of working is like purifying 
like the process of purified silver in our lives. There's a reason behind that because God wants to put his breath through us. I want to tell you today, if you are going through some stuff, if you are being pescered by your boss, if you're going through some financial stuff, if you're being pressured in some formal fashion, I want to encourage you today, do not run away. Don't get the pips, don't get offense, but turn your heart toward the Lord and say, Lord, work in my heart. Purify my heart. Let it be like shape. Let it be like hammered silver. No more pathetic collapse. Come on, clap your hands, all you people. And we're just getting started. (laughs) You shall make two trumpets out of silver, and you shall make them of hammered work. And you shall use them to call the congregation. And you shall use them to get the camps to shift. The other word that is used in in the Scripture is that you shall use the camps to, you shall call the camps to advance. When you look at the dynamics of three million people, when you look at the dynamics of what's actually happening here, you can see to a large degree the nature of how people congregate and how people group together. And the basis on why they congregate and the basis of why they come together. It's, it's not by accident that the Lord says, call the congregation and get the camps to move. He specifically says, use those two trumpets to call the congregation and to get the camps to move. In other words, use them to get the congregation or to get the people, use that trumpet, use that prophetic sound, use my breath to get the people to shift from one state of being into another state of being. Get, use them as a symbol or a sound of a shifting of position. One of the things we know in Scripture is this, that we are being changed from glory to glory. All of us are in the journey of becoming. You don't just arrive at your your destination. There is a journey. I love what Apostle Patty said. It's It's the two in between the glory to glory that many of people get stuck. When God wants to shift you from one state of living, one state of being, one state of existing, both in a congregational sense and also in an individual sense, He uses a trumpet to sound into our lives to say, it's time to shift what you're doing. It's time to shift the state. It is time to stop doing what you're doing and do something different. The sound of the call gives a specific sound and it gives a specific directive. You see all through history, even in the military sense now, in the military, there were sounds or directives given to the army, not by shouting, but by a trumpet. They listened for the different trumpet sounds, and they knew when they heard that sound, it was time to do this. When it was time, when they heard this sound, it was time to get out of bed, to shift from one state into another state. When I heard this sound, it means we're going to war. When I heard this sound, it says we're pushing forward. When I heard this sound, it says the battle was done. It's time to rest. Until next week. So the sound of the trumpet, because he goes on to say, when the, the way that the trumpet sounds or the, 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 the method in which the trumpet is used, when you hear this sound, do this. When you hear this sound, do that. The point being behind all of it is that it was designed for the, one for the congregation to shift the people. So when they heard the sound calling to the congregation, that means... Everybody needed to respond. When they heard this sound, in other words, when they heard the sound build, it meant all the congregation responded to build. 
when it said, grow. It means all the congregation responded to grow. When it sounded forward, this way, it meant everyone in the congregation shifted. They obviously weren't Kiwis. <laughs> when it came Sunday at 10 o'clock, it is time to come before the throne of God and give honor and give praise. That is time. Half of the Kiwis went to the farmer's market and wondering why they're not experiencing the fullness of God. When the alarm sounded, be here. At 10 minutes past 10, they walked in and expecting to be touched by God. Forget it. Hello? When it's time, when the sound is given, we're going to heal our hearts. It's a camp issue. And we camp for a bit. But when it's time, when I hear this call, it is time for the congregation together. When you hear that sound, please don't expect to wander in and expect to walk into the fullness of God. It ain't going to happen for you. When, it, when it's time to come on Sunday, when it's time to come and gather as the congregation, as the people of God, don't go wandering off somewhere else. Oh, I've got a good idea. Oh, forget your good idea. God's calling you because he wants to do something and speak to you. It is time for the shifting the call of the congregation, and for the directing or the movement of the camps. In other words, it's time to stop what you're doing, disrupt whatever habits you have formed around your life, break down your tents, and move forward. There's two ways, I was just looking at, a, uh, just studying a particular rabbi, and he said there are two ways in which people come together largely. There are these two ways. There are two ways in which people can become a group, a society, a community, or a nation. One is when they face a common enemy. When they face a common enemy. So this, in, this, in, this, in this particular context, such a group is called a camp. It is a defensive, a protective, and a healing formation. When... A camp is largely, is, nowadays we use camps for recreation and things like that. But historically, the camp was used as a place of refuge. It was used as a place of defense. It was used as a place of shelter. It was, a, it was used as a place for healing. So both of these, we need active in our church community. There are times when we camp. And there are camps, just like the, the Israelites were together, they were in different camps but they were all camped around the same tabernacle. You'll notice within this church, within any church, you'll find that there is a congregation, and you'll find within that congregation, there are different camps. Some are interest camps, some are specific ministry camps, some are different camps of different kinds, just like the Israelites were. They had both camps, and they had both a congregation. So when the Bible says that it's time, when you hear this blast, it is time to call the congregation, but it's also time to dismantle or to reshape the camps. It's important that you get this. Because a camp is basically comes together in a defensive, protective, or healing formation. People can camp together, like it only takes one or two more people to come and form a camp. You can find that people can camp within a congregation, the camp of offense can form. It only takes one person to open their mouth to somebody else, and all of a sudden, a, a camp of offense has been formed over here. That's a wrong camp. You want to be breaking down that camp and never let that camp arise in the house. There can be camps of healing. 
There can be camps of praise. There can be camps of youth. There can be camps of all sorts of different ideas and different places. But largely it is a place of defensive, protective, or healing. It's, it's, and and it's, it's okay for them to exist. There can be ministry camps. There can be independent camps. You notice in the way that the, the people had camped together was they were together. They didn't have all these camps here around the tabernacle and one camp sitting out on its own over here. We can't have that as a church because if you want to operate like that, that's an independent spirit. You've got to come close. You can be different but stay close. And in this church, you'll find that there's a wide variety of different expressions. But when that becomes a problem is when that expression starts to become independent and starts to wander off in camps by itself. Hello? That's not going to journey us into the fullness of what God has for us. So people can come together as a camp, but they can also come together as a group. The re- uh, as a congregation, people come together because they share a common vision. There is a big difference between coming together in a defensive formation and a healing formation. There's a big difference between doing that and coming together because we share a common vision. Hello? Are you with me this morning? You can have people that come together, and the only thing that holds them together is they hate this person, or they have, a, a, they have something against a particular ideology or a different type of person. I've seen factions arise in this church because of that. Somebody's got an offense and they start to build an off- but they'll start to build a camp around that offense. You can hear a pin drop in this place. <laughs> or people come together because we've got one thing in mind is that's to advance the kingdom of God. It's okay to have camps of healing. It's okay. It's great, it's a great thing. That's why they were there. That's why we still need them. But when the sound comes, it means you've got to break down what you're doing and play ball with the rest of the team. By golly, you, you, it is so quiet in here. <laughs> really quiet. Either I'm really wrong or off. <laughs> But I want to, I'm saying this because I believe that God has something special over this church. And I don't want people running off into their own camps and doing their own thing. When the call to come together is put out there, I don't want people just to be wandering in, dragging their feet. Because God has got a wonderful land ahead of us. There is a prosperous land, there is a promised land that God has for you. There's a promised land that God has for us. And I understand that there are times when we walk through the valley or we walk through the journey of life that we get tired and that our feet start to hurt and it's time to rest. There are times when it is time to rest and get healed. There is times where you've got to camp up. There are times where you've got to just come together and sing a few kumbaya songs and tell some crap around the fire. (laughs) Hang out with the boys, hang out with the girls, get your hearts healed, get our lives restored. Sometimes that can be for a night. Sometimes that can be for a month. In our case, seven weeks. Sometimes it can be for a year. It's just however the Holy Spirit leads. And if the Holy Spirit says, my people need healing, stop the camp. But when other things start to arise, it's time to dismantle. You can't just stay in the camp of healing forever. You can't stay there because you'll never get to your promised land. At some point, when you hear the sound, you've got to start to dismantle some things. Sometimes you've got to dismantle some friendships. 
Sometimes you've got to dismantle some ways of thinking. Sometimes you've got to dismantle some of your habits. Sometimes you've got to disrupt the way that you're living your life. Sometimes you've got to start to just break out of the healing thing, not because it's a bad thing, but that season is done for a little while. And when it's time to come together, then we need to come together and sing one song in one voice. Our nation, there is something immensely powerful in this church that God has ordained, that God has put here to touch the nation and the nations beyond. My question for you is this, and I've only just opened up the scripture, we'll open up another, another day. See, these camps are not just types of group, but they are two different ways of living and relating to the world. And I can tell by the way that somebody speaks, by the way that somebody behaves, that you've been in a defensive way of living for too long. It's time to start to let your guard down again. It's time to start trusting again. It's time to start believing again. It's time to start to pack up your tent of disappointment. It's time to pack up your tent of failure. It's time to pack up that tent and move forward. When it comes time for the trumpet sound to call the congregation, Turn up. When it's time to advance, let's move forward. I'm looking already in my heart. I've got Auckland in my sights. We've got Apostle Tamarit coming back later in the year. And uh, we're going to be going to Victory Christian Center. Well, I've, al- I've already booked it. Yeah. I got dedicated in that church and I'm full on revival. So I'm going to go back there. There are people in this nation that need to experience what God has done in your life. There are people, our nation needs to experience the grace that is in this house. There are people in this nation, there are people around you that need to hear that sound of the silver trumpet that's been hammered. Because they overcame by the word of their testimony. Oh my God, it's been good. I felt like running, I felt like hiding, I felt like crying, I felt like falling over. But my God has been good. I committed my life to having my heart shaped. And now you're going to hear that trumpet sound. Come on, stand to your feet. couple here, I'm not going to, don't worry, I'm not going to keep backing it, you've, you've had enough. But in verse 4 he says, when you hear this sound, it is the sound to call forth leaders. If you're a leader, you know darn well that God has called you to be a leader. And you hear the sound of leadership time, don't be sick. Don't tell me your cat's no good. I'll sort it for you real quick. (laughs) 
when it's time to stand forth as a man or a woman of God and give leadership in the house, in your area of camp, in your home. Johnny Wells, step up to the mark. He says, and this is one of the things I love. And he said, when you sound, in verse five, when you sound the advance, the camps will begin their journey. Can you imagine what it must have been like? Every person sitting in their camp. One of the things you've got to see is the camp, the movement of the people didn't happen like this. It didn't just go, everyone, Simon says, stand to your feet. Simon says, take a step to the right. And it didn't happen like that. It was a progressive movement. Because each camp had their own sound that was calling to them. So when you hear this sound, it says, get ready to move. Can you imagine what it would have been like to have been living in three million people and you hear that sound? We're moving forward. Start packing up your tents. And then you're listening for your sound. That's my camp. And they start to move forward. Come on, guys. They start to move forward. When you hear the call out to the Samoan people, that's my camp. When you hear the call to Tangata Whenua, the Māori people, that's my camp. Get ready to move. Pack up our tents. We're on our way. When those that have been broken or offended or hurt or beaten down, when the sound comes, it's time to dismantle that tent. We're moving forward. Oh yes, we're moving forward. Last one in verse 8. And these shall be your ordinance forever. In other words, forever and ever, this is how you respond. For us as a church, we're still led by that same Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, pack up your tents, we're moving. You move. When the Holy Spirit says, we're gathering together on Sundays, 10 o'clock, turn up. When the Holy Spirit says, I want to touch Māori people, champion them. When the Holy Spirit says, we're going to touch the African people. But when the Holy Spirit says, it's time to stop, time to rest for a bit. You rest. Close your eyes. Finish off the rest another day. I could keep going, but <laughs> some of you all are hungry. All of us live in a camp of some sort. I wonder what parts of your life you just need to start to dismantle because it's time to move and reset up. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not about taking off to another church. I'm not, don't interpret it that way. That's wrong. It means God has placed you here because God wants to work in your life. You're part of this, Father. But there'll be parts of my life that I must dismantle. There's parts of my thinking. There's parts of my speech. There'll be parts of my heart that I need to allow the Lord to dismantle so He can reform them again over here. Same camp, same group of people. We've just moved on a little bit. 
it's time to come and build the temple, to build the house. Let's all turn up. When the Lord says build, put your hand to the plow and start building. Because if you decide that this ain't the will of God for you, and you decide to go off on your own little hikoi, the rest of us are going to move on and somebody else will take your place. I'm not going to spend my life running around the desert trying to find independent religious people who decide they want to go and camp somewhere else but use the benefits of the whole. Not going to happen. Make a decision to come together when you hear the sound to come together. Make a decision that you'll respond clearly and responsively to the voice of the Lord. Make a decision. When it's time to rest, put your tools down, set up your tent and rest. When it's time to get healed, make a decision to allow God to heal you. But what part of your life do you need to re-dismantle for for reconstruction somewhere else? What part of your life do you need to respond to the voice of the Lord, the voice of the trumpet? Make a decision, friend. We'll do the rest another week. <laughs> Let's worship Him this morning. Shake the mountains, break the walls apart, open the heavens. Almighty God, you are overcoming, defender of
many people got something out of this morning? Even just a little bit. I bless you tonight. I bless you today.